If you're new to Destiny, just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here. And we just want to say we believe that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life and that the enemy has come and tried to steal and kill and destroy all of our lives. But Jesus came that we could have life and life more abundantly. Amen. I'm going to be glad that not only did Jesus come from heaven to earth, but that he has also come into our lives. Amen? And has brought with us that eternal, abundant, overflowing life. Amen. We're going to spend some time in God's Word today. We're going through the book of Acts together, a series where we're just walking through this great story of how Jesus is still working through his church today. How many of you know that God is still working today, that he has not finished his work, that until he returns, he's got something to do, and that he is working through us today, his church and his people. Uh, Acts chapter 2, if you have it, and also John chapter 21. We're going to spend some time there this morning as well. We're going to take a detour today. I hope that's okay. We're going to take a little bit of a detour, and uh, you'll, you'll understand what I mean in a moment. But how many of you have taken the detour in life before? You got off the, the main road and went the scenic route. We're going to take the scenic route this morning. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in the Bible today. I hope that's okay with you. We're going to read lots of scripture. You know, at Destiny, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. So there's worse things that you could do at church than read the Bible. Amen? (laughs) So we're going to spend some time in God's Word. Because we believe that when God's Word is read and God's Word is preached and God's Word is proclaimed... That God speaks to us. You know, Jesus said that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And just how, if we don't eat and nourish ourselves physically, we'll get sick. If we're not on a good diet, it affects our health. If you don't eat, you'll eventually die. It's the same with us spiritually. We need the bread of life, the word of God. All right, I'll just move on to something you might find more interesting. Last week in Acts chapter 2, we saw that God poured out his spirit on his church. And it was this amazing thing that Jesus called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that this miraculous event happened where the disciples and, and the 120 that were gathered there, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or gave them the language, and that it created this huge stir in the city that all kinds of people came to hear what was happening, and, and many people were confused about it, and they said, what does this mean that, that we hear people preaching and proclaiming the word of God in our own language? And there was people from all kinds of different countries and languages from all over the world, and they gathered together to hear what was happening, and they said, what does this mean? And that's sort of where we left off last week, and that's exactly where we're going to pick up Today, it picks up in verse 14 that when the crowd gathered, that Peter, standing with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and he addressed them. 
And he said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only not the third hour or 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now he's quoting Old Testament scripture here. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that you would bless it. Lord, as it goes forward today, I thank you that your word never returns void and that there's always a purpose attached with your word going forth. So Lord, help us to be hearers of your word today, but Lord, also help us to be stewards. Help us to to receive your word and to steward it and to be doers of your word, living it out each and every single day that we would accomplish your plan and your purpose for our lives in this city, in this community, and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the sermon continues another, I don't know, 40-odd verses, and we'll pick up Peter's sermon next week. But it's really important that we understand who this man Peter was. Who is this Peter that stands up and preaches? And before we we move on to to what he preaches, I, I wanted to take a week and and sort of push pause or, or take a little bit of a detour and go and examine three pivotal moments, three key moments in Peter's life that we really need to understand for us to, to know and to see why it is so remarkable that Peter stands up and that Peter preaches on this day. So we're going to look at three events from Peter's life. And, and what I want you to see in this is that what happens in Peter's life is not so different from what happens in our own life. That that really, Peter in in many ways represents all of us and our journey of faith and and our walk with the Lord and and our ups and downs. How many of you have had some some ups with God? And you've also had some some downs. And, and, And what does it mean when we're down? And where do we go from there? And so I I want us to look at who this man Peter is. Uh, He's going to be very prominent as we continue through the book of Acts. But I want you to see that in many ways, all of us are just like Peter. So we're going to look at three key, key moments, three key events in the life of Peter. And the first one is the night before Jesus is crucified. And this is when Peter makes a promise to Jesus. It's a promise made. Have any of you ever made a promise to God? A vow to God? Here we're going to see that Peter makes a promise to God. So Matthew 26, 31 through 35. This is during the Last Supper where, where Jesus had, had really served them the first communion. He had, he had washed their feet that night. It's just Jesus and his disciples. It's this intimate moment. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. That's some bad news right there. I know we're all sharing this wonderful moment. Have, 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 any, of you, <laughs> have any of you had, had someone prepare a lovely dinner for you just to give you bad news? 
If, if you're in ministry, you've had that happen. Let me just tell you. Come over to our house. It'll be really fun. And we have this wonderful evening together. And then here comes the bad news. Anyway, that's what Jesus did to the disciples. He had this wonderful moment. He washed all of their feet. He, he served them communion. He said, take, eat, this is my body. It's just like we had this moment with the Lord this morning. And then Jesus bust out the bad news. You will all fall away because of me tonight. For it is written, and he quotes from the Old Testament, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But, he says... After I am raised up, I will go with you to Galilee, or go before you to Galilee. Peter speaks up, the same Peter that spoke up in Acts chapter 2. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Lord, that verse that you quoted from the Old Testament, it probably applies to these 11, but I'm not part of that group. I'm Peter. I'm the rock, Lord. Don't you, didn't, don't you remember, Lord, when you said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it? I'm that. That's me, Jesus. I'm Peter. And Jesus is like, don't you remember a few moments later when I told you, get behind me, Satan. Do you remember that, Peter? Jesus says, all of these are going to fall away. James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Bartholomew, Judas, we already know he's, he's toast, but all of, they are all scattered. Not me, Jesus. I'm in your corner. I'm on a different level. Jesus looks at him and says to him, truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, before the morning dawns is what that means, you will deny me not once, not twice, three times. Now, Peter is an amazing individual. He's arguing with Jesus. Have you ever done that? Like, okay, like, this is Jesus who fed the multitudes. This is Jesus who opened blind eyes. This is Jesus who unstopped deaf ears. This is Jesus who raised the dead. This is Jesus who went water skiing without a motorboat, right? I mean, walked on the wind and the waves. This is Jesus that when he doesn't like the weather, he just changes it. Peace be still, storm, wind, and waves. This is Jesus who called Peter out of the boat. That Peter even walked on the water. But somehow, Peter thinks that he knows more than Jesus. You're going to all fall away, not me. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. He says, even if I have to die for you, I will never deny you. All of these might fall away. Not me. I am ready to lay down 
my life. I am ready to die for you. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, all right, the rooster's going to crow tonight and you will have already denied me three times. Peter says, Jesus, you don't know what's in my heart. Yeah, you can control the wind and the waves. Yeah, you can multiply food to thousands. Yeah, you can heal and touch the sick and the lame and you can even raise the dead, Jesus, but you don't know what's going on in my heart. I want you to know something. Jesus knows what's going on in your heart, all right? He knows more than you know, right? He knows you better than you know yourself. So as the story unfolds, Jesus and his disciples, they go out to pray. Judas comes and he kisses Jesus on the cheek, betraying Jesus. That a band of Roman guards come and arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts a guy's ear off like that's got to be one of the nearest misses ever, right? How many of you know, I, I, at least I have to assume, that if you have a sword and you're swinging it at somebody's head, you're not trying to cut their ear off, right? So Peter misses this guy. He cuts his ear off. Jesus picks the guy's ear up and, you know, puts it back on for him. And says, Peter, those who live by the sword die by the sword. This is not how it's supposed to go. They arrest Jesus and and Peter and and the disciples, they they follow at a distance. And we pick up the story as Jesus is now being put on trial at the the house of the high priest. And there's a courtyard there. And and Jesus and some of, uh, or I'm sorry, Peter and some of Jesus' disciples are, are hanging out in the courtyard as Jesus is is further into the house and being put on trial. And the servant girl at the door recognizes Peter. This is a promise broken. This is the second part of Peter's story. The first was a promise made, and here we see his promise broken. John chapter 18. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, aren't you also one of this man's disciples? Peter said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing there and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. Now skipping down to verse 45, or I'm sorry, verse 25. That group of people standing around this charcoal fire, they said to Peter... You're also one of his disciples, aren't you? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, listen to this, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. Didn't I see you in the garden tonight? You you look eerily familiar to me. You look like that crazy guy who swung the sword and missed, and I'm glad you missed because I love my cousin, but you cut my cousin's ear off, and Jesus reached down and picked it up out of the dirt, and he, he put it back in his ear on his head, and yeah, that, that's even my cousin's blood on your sword there. Yeah, you're the guy. 
Peter, I mean, he's caught. It's the guy's cousin. Peter again denied it. And at once, a rooster crowed. At once, the rooster crowed. Luke, in Luke's gospel, he gives us a little more detail on what happened at this moment. In Luke chapter 22, verse 61, it says when Peter denied Jesus the third time and that the rooster crowed, it says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Jesus turned and and looked at him. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. You know, I think all of us at some level can identify with Peter. Because all of us at one time or another, we've We've made a promise to the Lord. We've made a commitment to him that we have not kept. Not a person in here has been able to keep our commitments to the Lord. You know, when we come to Christ, we make a commitment. We say, not only are you my savior, but Jesus, you're also my Lord. And all of us have not lived under the lordship of Christ perfectly. Since coming to Christ, every single one of us has sinned, has fallen short, has broken our promise. And we can identify with Peter. We can identify with the the guilt and the pain and and the shame as, as Jesus turned as he was on trial and he looked out and he looked through the crowds and at that moment, Jesus' eyes locked with Peter's eyes. And all of a a sudden, Peter remembered the promise that he had made. Peter remembered how he had put himself on a pedestal, had put himself on another level when Peter said, I'm not like everybody else, though everybody else, Lord, may fall away, I will never fall away. Even if I have to die for you, I will never deny you. And I think that all of us, at one time or another, at some level, we've made a vow, we've made a promise to God that we didn't keep or that we couldn't keep. And what we know from life is that broken promises, broken vows, they produce broken hearts and broken people. Broken promises, broken vows, they, they, they produce broken hearts and, and broken people. And, and the question is, what does God do with broken people? What does God do when when we make a promise and we've made a vow, but we did not keep our promise and we did not keep our vow? Where, Where does that leave us? Does it mean that God is through with us, that God is finished with us, that his plan and purpose for our life is over? 
Or could it be that God still has a future and a plan for our lives? I, just spoiler alert, it's the latter. God has a future and a plan for our lives. And in John chapter 21, we see this third major milestone in Peter's life, and this is a better promise. This better promise is not a promise that Peter makes to Jesus. It's actually a promise that Jesus makes to Peter. And that Jesus' better promise we'll see is actually fulfilled in Peter's life in a beautiful way. But in John chapter 21, and, and I don't have this on the screen for you this morning, so if you have your Bibles, you can flip over there quickly today. John chapter 21. We know that eventually Jesus is, is after his trial, that he's executed publicly, shamefully, killed on a cross, died on the cross for the sins of the world, that he shouts out as he's dying that it is finished the price for sin is paid in full. And that three days later, when some of his followers go to visit the tomb, they find it empty because Jesus has risen from the dead. Because Jesus has defeated all of his enemies. And that Jesus has, has been regularly appearing to his disciples as he is resurrected, instructing them, teaching them, comforting them. And the story for Peter picks up after the resurrection in John chapter 21. And it says that Jesus came to his disciples and revealed himself to them. While they were in Galilee, at the Sea of Galilee, that some of the disciples and Peter had gone fishing. And that while they had been fishing, they had fished all night and had not caught one fish. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman. I've been fishing like four times in my life. But every time I've gone fishing, I've caught something. You know, it might have been smaller than the bait, but I caught something. These guys, a group of professional fishermen, fish all night and catch not one fish. I have to, this has to be unusual. This has to be remarkable. And, and they're not fishing with, you know, lines and, and uh, rods. You can tell how much I fish. I don't even know what this stuff is called. But they're using these huge nets, right? These massive nets that they drop down to the, to the bottom and they drag them along where the, the fish are asleep and, and they pull them up to the top. They don't catch one fish. They do this all night long for hours and they don't catch one fish. And Jesus comes along and says that daybreak is about to happen and he calls out to them, hey, why don't you cast your net on the other side of the boat? And they got to be thinking to themselves, we fished this whole lake all night. What difference does it make if it's down on the left side or the right side of the boat? What is this guy, who does this guy think he is? 
They're like, well, whatever, we'll throw it in one more time. And they cast their nets, and all of a sudden, their nets are just full of fish. So full that they can't even pull it into the boat. So full that the boat even begins to sink. Now, I've never caught fish like that, let me tell you. Peter recognizes that it's Jesus, and he jumps into the water, and he swims to the shore. And it says that when he gets to the shore in verse 9, that when they get on dry land, they see that there is a charcoal fire in place with fish already laid on it and bread. Something you have to know, you have to know. You really don't have to know. It's really actually not even that important, but I'll point it out to you anyway. This is for the Bible nerds. I'm a Bible nerd. This is for the Bible nerds. There's only two times in the Bible that this term for fire is used, only twice. There's a lot of times that the Bible talks about fire. There's only two times where it talks about a charcoal fire or a fire of coals. It's this time, and the only other time is in John 18, 18, which we read earlier, where Peter was warming himself by a charcoal fire. And this is John's way, who's writing this gospel, of saying... Remember when Peter fell around a fire? Something awesome is about to take place right here around this fire. Same kind of fire. And it says that Jesus is cooking them breakfast. Fish sandwiches. Amen. Thank you. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went and got the Paul uh, brought the ashore of 153 fish that were in the net. Jesus said to them, verse 12, come and have some breakfast. Verse 14 says, this is the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to them after he was raised from the dead. Verse 13 says that Jesus breaks the bread and that he gives it to them. Can you, can you picture this scene? Can you just picture it? They had watched Jesus put on trial. They had watched him crucified. All of the torture, all of the pain, all of the sorrow, all of the brokenness. Now they see Jesus risen from the dead. This is the third time. Jesus has come and cooked them breakfast. He rose from the dead to cook them breakfast. Fish sandwiches. And I guarantee you these are the best fish sandwiches anybody's ever had ever. Ever. The Filet-O-Fish ain't got nothing <laughs> on these sandwiches. They're, they're kicking back around the fire. They've worked all night. They're exhausted, but now their bellies are full. The sun is rising over the Sea of Tiberias. Jesus, the Son of God, has risen from the dead. And they have to just be thinking and anticipating what is going to happen next. What, 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 are, what are we supposed to do? Where does this go? Where, where do we go from here? Jesus has defeated even death. And as they're in this moment, this... And, and guys, guys know what I'm talking about. When you, when you work all day and you skip lunch and then you have a really nice meal and you're just kicking back with your buddies, you're kind of in this coma, right? This space between being awake and asleep and it's just this amazing thing that's where they're at 
But when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? You remember what Peter had said. Lord, if all of these fall away, I'm still going to serve you. I'll never fall away. And Jesus comes to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? More than these what? More than these fish sandwiches I just served to you? No, he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Because you made me a promise, Peter. You didn't keep your promise to me. Look at Peter's answer. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. Earlier when we read about Peter and Jesus' conversation, what Peter had told Jesus was, Lord, you don't know. You think you know, Lord, but... You don't know. Now Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, Peter, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, Peter was a broken man. He had made a promise and he had broken it. And just as Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus comes and asks him this question three times, do you love me? And just as Peter had fallen and sinned and denied Jesus publicly, Jesus comes to restore Peter publicly. And what Jesus tells Peter upon his confession of love is, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Take care of my flock. What Jesus is saying is that, Peter, there's still a ministry for you. There's still a place for you in my kingdom. Though you have fallen and fallen short and fallen in a way only you could do, Peter, there's still a place for you. There's still a ministry for you. That your failures do not defeat God's purpose for your life. That though the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy your life, actually my plan and purpose is going to be accomplished in your life. And they go on to say, Jesus, he says, truly, truly, I said to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out, they will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19 says, This Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. 
And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. What is this talking about? This, this is actually talking about how Peter's going to die. That just as Peter, when he was young, he used to dress himself and go where he wanted, that there's coming a day where people are going to dress Peter and take him to a place he doesn't want to go. And we know from church history that Peter dies for his faith in Christ, that Peter was actually crucified for his faith, that he, wouldn't, that he would not recount his faith. He would not recant. He would not turn back. He would not stop preaching about the risen Christ. That Peter, the same Peter, who at one time had denied Christ, ends up dying for Christ. That at one time, Peter had, had been in such fear of his life that he ran away and wept bitterly, that at one point now in his future, Peter will die for his faith and that his faith is so strong and so emboldened that he'll actually glorify God through his death. And this is the better promise that Jesus makes to Peter. This is the better promise. He says, Peter, there's a place for you. I've got a job for you. I need you to take care of my sheep. I need, to, need, you, I need you to take care of my people. I need you to feed them my word. I need you to look after the flock. I need you to look after the church. And Peter, through your life, I am going to be glorified. It's not about you, Peter. It's not about your failures. It's not about the things that, that you've done in the past. It's about me and, and my restoration and, and my life being lived through you. And because of that, Peter, you will glorify me. And this is the better promise that Jesus makes to Peter, and this is the better promise that Jesus makes to us as well. That though we have fallen short, and though we have made promises we didn't keep, and though we come to Christ like Peter, broken, that God does not throw away broken people. We, we throw away broken stuff all the time. We live in a world of disposable everything. That's not the way the world used to be, but it is the way now. Everything's disposable. God doesn't throw people away. God doesn't treat people like trash. Even though people may be broken, even though people may come to Christ with their lives a total wreck, God takes the wreck of our lives and he mends us and he forgives us. And the same Jesus that forgave Peter will forgive you. And the same Jesus that healed Peter's broken heart will heal your broken heart. And the same Peter, Jesus that healed Peter's or restored Peter and, and gave him back his ministry will restore you and give you a plan and give you a purpose for your life. And the same Jesus that made a promise to Peter makes a promise to you as well. We all come to Jesus broken every single one of us. But Jesus takes the broken pieces of our life and he puts them back together in a way that only he can do and in a way that gives him glory and brings him glory and honor. And this is a better promise because this promise is made by the one who can't break a promise. The promise is made by the one whose promises never fail, whose words never go astray, that even though we may go astray, he comes and pulls us back and brings us back. Even though we may fail him, he never fails us. 
And you need to know that our failures, your failures, do not, cannot, will not thwart God's purposes. Your failures, your shortcomings, of which we all have so many, they do not thwart the purpose of God. That God has a purpose, that God has a plan, that God has a ministry, that God has something for you, a future for you. Because Peter's story is so much like our story, all broken, all failed God. But God restores broken people. So we see as we, the, the amazing thing from, from John 21, we, all we have to do is turn the page. All we got to do is turn the page from John 21, and, and what do we see? We see this Peter, not broken, but filled with the Spirit of God. And what is he doing? He's standing up to feed the sheep. He, he's standing up to preach God's word. He, he's fulfilling the promise that Jesus made that there's a place for you, that you're going to glorify me. And this is a word for somebody here today. It's time for you to turn the page. It's time for you to turn the page on, on your past, that, that there is a future for you. There is hope for you. There is healing for you. There's restoration for you. That The, the, the story of your life doesn't end with you broken. But if you, will, if you will turn the page, if, if you will come to Christ, if, if you will follow him, and, and, and like Jesus, the invitation that Jesus gave to Peter is, follow me. It's the same invitation that Jesus gives to all of us, follow him. And if you will follow Jesus, this promise is for you. This promise of healing, this promise of restoration, this promise of glorifying God with your life. It's not just for Peter, it's for you as well. It's for you as well. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. That what he does for one, he'll do for you as well. And so Peter's story, it, it ends with him glorifying God. But how's your story gonna end? You know, the devil wants us to stay stuck. He, he wants to do everything he can to keep us from, from turning the page on our life and allowing God to continue to write the story of our life. And so the devil will lie to you and he will say, because of what you've done in the past, you have no future. And it's a lie. It's a lie. It's deception. It's deceit. The devil is a liar. The Bible says that God has a future for you. God has hope for you. God has plans for you of restoration, of redemption, of healing, of hope, of purpose, of being used by God to be a blessing to the nations. But you got to follow him. You gotta move out of the, the mess and, 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 and turn the page and, and open the book and, and let Jesus start to write your story again. Don't get stuck. You know, someone once told me, and I probably shouldn't say this, but it's really good. He told me, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. So many times we, 
we get stuck in the pain and in the sorrow and, and in the hurt, in the, the broken promises that maybe someone made a promise to you that they broke. Don't stay there. Don't let that be your story. That's not the story that God has for you. And, and their, la- their spouse left them and their life was trash from then on. That's not God's story for you. Hello? That's not God's story for you. Jesus is saying, come on, follow me, walk with me. Just like I healed Peter, I'll heal you. Just like I forgave Peter, I'll forgive you. Just like I restored Peter, I'll restore you. Just like there's a ministry for him, there's a ministry for you. Come on, let's go. Some of you gotta turn the page. You gotta keep moving forward. Some of you have just been stuck in what somebody did to you. Maybe you had someone, something somebody did to you as a kid. Look, the devil, the devil is stupid, man. I can't stand the devil. I hate the devil. He, he's, he's robbing people of destiny. He's robbing people of future. He, 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 he tries to keep people trapped by, by sin and, and pain and brokenness. And, and look, I've, I've had stuff done to me. I've done stuff. But we got to keep moving forward. We can't listen to the lie of the enemy. We can't listen to the lie of the devil. That's why we got to know God's word that says, man, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loved me. That no weapon formed against me will prosper. That even though there's pain and there's brokenness, that I'm not going to stop here. That this isn't the end. That at the end, there's a story to be written about glory about me exalting Christ and lifting him high with my life because he's the one who's writing my story. Some of you need to give Jesus the pen to your life. You've been been writing your own story about, and they did this to me, and they did that to me, and and, and this has happened, and that has happened. Listen, you got to stop writing that story. You you, You need to give your pen to Jesus. And let him start writing the story of your life. Give control to him. Amen. I know talking about pins is kind of old school. Maybe you need to give Jesus the keyboard. Or give Jesus the smartphone. Listen, the story Jesus wants to write for your life, the Bible says, is exceedingly, abundantly, far above everything you could ask or think. But we got to get unstuck. We got to start taking steps forward. We got to receive that invitation from Jesus to follow him, to not go back to the past. Peter, he went back to fishing. Jesus had made Peter a promise. You're going to be a fisher of men. Peter's out there trying to catch fish. He can't do it anymore. Why? Because he's not supposed to be fishing for fish. He's supposed to be fishing for men. And as we turn the page, what do we see? Peter's first sermon, 3,000 people get saved. That's pretty dang awesome. God's promise and purpose for Peter 
is not destroyed because of Peter's fall and failure. And so the word of God to you today is that your failure doesn't stop the purpose of God in your life. That it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to follow the invitation of Jesus and to walk with him and to follow him.